Hey, good morning, everyone. We're going to spend, um, I've been really looking forward to this couple weeks. Um, cause I mean, you know, when you get into the new year, it's, it's a, it's a time where we can have a kind of a fresh start and try to recalibrate our lives again. There's only, there's something good about a, a fresh start. And we know that, um, with God and our relationship with Christ, there's always new beginnings and there's a fresh start and knowing what Christ has done for us, now he's forgiven us, and, and, and we know that God's mercies are new every morning, that his grace is there to forgive us when we make so many mistakes and when we mess up in our lives. And um, what I want to do over the next couple of weeks is, is kind of give you the heartbeat of our church. Maybe you've been coming here for years like uh, Joe and Mary Lynn Tandle, or maybe you just started coming, and um, you're wondering, you know, what's, what's Living Word all about? What, what do we care about? And what I want to do over the next couple of weeks is specifically today, talk about what we care about in our church. And then next week, really talk about your life personally and, 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 and my prayer for you and my desire for you to grow as an individual. Just as so you saw in the, in the video, um, one of our key statements in our church is transforming lives for eternity. And, and I believe we exist as a church to help each other grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ, to help others come to know who Christ is and why he came to this earth and and the plan that he has for your life. And, and that's what being a, a follower of Christ is all about. It's God transforming us from that old person, that old man, to the person that God created us to be. And that we can follow him and know him. And that our life can be exciting. That, that our walk in Jesus Christ can be something that's exciting every single day. And, and I, my, my prayer for you and, and as a church, we want you to continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't want it just to be a Sunday thing. We want it to be an everyday thing where you're growing in Jesus Christ. And, 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 and I want to talk about just our church and, and how we're doing that to help you grow in your relationship and what things that, that we need to focus on as a church. How many know there's a million things a church, churches can focus on? And, and depending on your background or what church you came from, maybe there are certain things that they focused on that we may not necessarily ultimately focus on. And, and so what I want to look at today, what are the things that we focus on at Living Word? What are the things that we see as important to help you continually grow in your walk with Jesus Christ? And the way I kind of look at this is, is, is kind of a dashboard. If you guys um, uh, understand what a dashboard is, a dashboard is the thing that's on the front of your car. That it, it tells you the, the, you know, the speed, how fast you're going. It tells how much gas is in your car, the gas gauge. Uh, my wife, Kathleen, has gas gauge deficiency. She, she, I always get in the car, and it's like below E. I go, honey, this is the gas gauge, okay? She goes, I know, I know, I, I just forget, and, and God bless her, because I always fill up the gas for her. But um, there's certain components that we have on our dashboard to kind of tell us what's going on uh, with the car. It's, it's, it's about information. The dashboard gives us information. It tells us how fast we're going, how much gas we have, and um, if there's something wrong with your car. Uh, and, and, and many cars will give you a code if that engine light pops on and there's a code that the technician can read to tell you exactly what's wrong with your engine. The, the word dashboard is used by businesses too. It's a dashboard or, or management information systems. It's, the, it's a management tool to get an overview of the health of their company. And so our dashboard at Living Word is synonymous with our core values. And, and, and what do we see as important? And I believe when we 
focus on these core values, it keeps us from running all over the place. And, and, and just as the dashboard is there to help you to understand what's going on with your car, I believe the core values of Living Word helps us to diagnose our church and help us to keep focus on the things that Jesus wants us to keep focused on. And I believe that there's just simple things that we can focus our life on as individually. We're going to talk about that next week. But things that we can focus our life on as a church so that we please God and we honor him and we don't run in a million different directions. Our core values are vital to keep us on track and allow us to gauge our effectiveness. I want your lives to be effective in the kingdom of God. And I want our church to be effective in the kingdom of God. So it's important and it's imperative that we have values in our lives or what we think is important. And all of us should have some type of values in our life. So, so what is the meaning of the word value? Well, <clears throat> a value is a person's principle of standard of behavior, one's judgment of what's important. Now, for me, my parents instilled in me some certain types of values, and a couple of them have stuck with me in adulthood. Um, one of the things that my parents valued was their relationship with God. They lived it out before me. Uh, they were faithful in church attendance and helping others. Um, they put money in its proper context. Uh, they valued not living beyond your means. Um, praying together as a family, eating together as a, fa uh, as a family, that was a value that was important to them. Being close as a family, talking things out, putting the relationship first, having fun together, respecting those that are in authority. Those were values that my parents instilled in me. And, and I'm learning from them um, what it looks like to be involved in your grandchildren's life. They value their grandchildren very much, and I'm seeing that in their lives. Um, how many know that our values, if we're not careful, can get out of whack? And, 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 and what I've noticed is there was, I, I saw this study not too long ago, and it was a podcast that I was listening to, and it was an author who studied children in sports and, and what is happening with American youth in sports. And what was discovered in this research is that many young people will leave or quit sports at the age of 12 or 13. And what they discovered was shocking. They said, they, they began to research and ask what was the main reason why kids at 12 or 13 are leaving sports or quitting sports. And they said the main reason was parents and coaches. And this is what they discovered. What they discovered was that there's so much pressure to win and succeed that it puts so much pressure on the children that they just gave up. So if our values about sports have changed over the years, and they've changed from learning and having fun to winning and hopefully getting a scholarship. And so this pressure on kids are tremendous. And the reality is we are vicariously living through our kids. And, and what this author began to see is that this ultimately is hurting our kids. Our values need to change. He said, we also need to make the decision to ask children this question. Are you having fun? Are, are you having fun? And, and he would always, th this author, he said he would always remind his children that whether they win or not, his love for them would never change. And so what happens if we're not careful? If we don't have correct values that are rooted in, in a biblical understanding, 
we can misplace our values even as a church. You can have misplaced values even as a follower of God. And I want to do everything possible to have correct values that we follow and to make sure that that is on our dashboard and to make sure that we don't sway from those things. So if, if, if our identity is, is attached to a win or a loss, we're, we're going to place our values in wrong things and those things are going to direct our life. If our values in money, that would direct us. If it's all about winning, we'll put pressure on ourselves and our kids. If it's my job, it may cost my family. And, and here at Living Word, what I see is our core values is so important because, because that is huge because if, if we misplace our values and we're not focusing on what God cares about, then we can be splintered into a million different directions. So our values, our values are what we see as important. And if you uh, want to know what you value, look at what you spend most of your time doing and look at what you spend most of your time thinking about. And, and when you're alone with your thoughts, what are the things that you spend most of your day dreaming about? Because that is what you will value. When you look at what you do with your time, what you do with your money, what you do with your gifts, that's usually what we value. And so those are all good questions to ask yourself. And so here's what I want to do. I want to look at two main scriptures that Jesus gave to us. And I believe if we focus on these two main scriptures, this will keep our values correct and our church to be balanced and not going in a million different directions. Matthew 22 and Matthew 28, Jesus gives these, these very imperative verses to us that talk about what he cares about and, and what he cares about in the church. And I believe this should be the basis for what we value as a church. And I want you to listen to this. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. This is what Jesus says when someone asked him, what is the most important commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with what? All your mind. And this is the, the great and first commandment. The second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the laws and the prophets. And then in Matthew 28, Jesus gives this great commission for the church and what they should value in verses 18 through, 18 through 20. And, it's, and it says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. These verses form our core values at Living Word. And I want to give you four core values that I think are imperative for us to follow at, at, at Living Word. So let me give you core value number one. Core value number one is Living Word is biblically based. We want to base everything that we believe on on the Bible, not on tradition or man's traditions, but on the Bible. We give the Bible here ultimate authority. We believe it's without fault because it is God's word. I want you reading the word of God on your own. I want you studying God's word on your own. I don't want you just to get the word of God here on Sunday morning. I want you uh, to, to be discipling yourselves and learning and growing as you read the word of God on your own. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for the training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. 
I believe that God is our creator and he knows what's best for us. And so it's just not knowing God's word, but it's applying it to our lives that we may obey him. Out of all the commands of God, Jesus says, these are the two that are most important and all the rest fall on these. To love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then to to love him with the whole person, and then to love others the same. So to be biblically minded is to understand that the Bible revolves around the person of Jesus Christ, that everything is fulfilled in him. So the message of the Bible is that God has sent his son to redeem us from sin and Jesus came for sinners. And how many of you know we all need a a savior? We all need a savior because we're sinners. So this causes me to love God because he first loved me. And so I serve God out of this gratitude. And we want to encourage you to grow in your relationship with God. We want to encourage you to get in small groups and to grow in your understanding of, of the Bible so that you're a student of God's word. And so everything we do here uh, at Living Word, we want to base it on biblical truth because we believe that is God's word. We believe that it's infallible, that, that it, it's absolute truth, and that it shows us how we are to live our lives and how we are to please God in our lives. So we want you uh, to be students of the Bible. So biblically minded person believes that God's word is absolute truth. And we live out those truths in our lives by loving God and obeying him. What's the second core value? Second core value we see is very important uh, at Living Word is being mission-minded. And so this is the second verse that we read in Matthew 28. Jesus told his followers to reach out to others with the gospel message. Jesus came for the lost to give his life as a ransom and to restore our relationship with God. Being mission-minded is, is not just supporting overseas missions and going on foreign missions trips. That's all part of it. Uh, we support over 70 different missions agencies and uh, missionaries both stateside and around the world. Missions-minded is having souls on your mind. It's your neighbor across the street. It's your coworker. Being mission-minded is saying, when I'm at my kid's sporting event, I'm thinking about the person sitting next to me and how I can strike up a conversation to share Jesus with them. Being mission-minded is that person in the cubicle next to you. It's that person that you work with that's hurting, that's lost, maybe that is going through a real rough patch in their life. And your first thought is, how can I minister to them? How can I pray for them? How can I reach out to them? That's being mission-minded. We want want you to have a heart for people. We want you to have a heart for lost souls. And so Mission Minds is so much more than just missions trips and, 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 and supporting missions, which is very important to our church and which we definitely do. But being mission-minded is having that on your mind all the time, that there are people around me that, that need to know about Jesus. Constantly in the back of my mind saying, how can I invite this person to church? How can I get this person to come to church? I'm going to pray for them. And I want to help them. I want to minister to them. And, and I love hearing stories about how people came to Living Word. One of the things we do in our membership class is we just go around the room and we ask people how uh, they came um, to Living Word. And some of the stories are just phenomenal. How they were either invited or they just drove by the church or they just felt like, hey, I need to go back to church. So why not, why not try this one? Um, maybe some were invited. I just love hearing stories about how people got connected to, to Living Word. The majority of the time is most likely someone invited you. And you, you shared with them how Jesus changed your life. That's what it means to be 
mission-minded. So one of our core values at our church is, is being mission-minded. And in a couple weeks, we're going to have a missions celebration week. We're going to talk about missions, and we're going to have missionaries come and, and share their heart about what Jesus is doing around the world. And we want you to be part of that and be excited about what Jesus is doing, not only around the world, but, but hopefully that creates something in your heart to, to always have um, Christ on your mind to share him with those who so desperately need to hear that gospel message. So that's a core value, being mission-minded. What's the third core value? Well, the third core value is being community-focused. So not only did, did, did Jesus tell us to love the Lord your God, but he also said that, that we are to love others, that we're to go into the world and love others. And, and, and one of our core values is, is to be outward focused, to love the outsider, not only to love the people within the, the body of Christ that's here at Living Word, and we're to minister to each other, and that's wonderful, and we study the Word of God, we do life together, all that's wonderful. But also, one of our core values at Living Word is to look outside the four walls of our church into our community and ask ourselves, how are we making an impact in our community? Are we, are we community-focused? Do we love the outsiders? Do we love those who have yet uh, come into the body of Christ? And so um, what I want us to see here is that um, um, if, if we were to close the doors of our church tomorrow, would, would anyone take notice? Would anyone in our community care? And so that's one thing that I want to make sure that we're making an impact in our community, that, that people would stand up and say, hey, Living Word is doing something in our community. And so God has placed Living Word in this community, and we have a responsibility to reach our community. Now, we can be viewed in our community in one of three ways. We can have a bad reputation. We can have no reputation, where people absolutely don't even know we exist. Or we can have a good reputation. And Living Word has been in Ontario for many, many years. And I'm happy to say that Living Word has a good reputation in this community. And the reason why I believe that is not because we're trying to be popular. It's because we're trying to love people with Christ's love. And I believe when we do that, we're honoring Jesus. We're honoring his heart. And so what we want to do is we want to serve our community. What are ways, practical ways, that we can serve our community so that we can tell them that we love them? I want to make such a positive impact in our community that, that if we were to close our doors, people would notice. And I, we, we share this quote all the time, but I love this. The local church is the only organization on the planet that exists for those who have not yet belonged. We exist for outsiders. We exist for those who have not yet belonged. So we're constantly looking for ways to reach out to our community, whether it's um, through a school supply giveaway uh, at the beginning of the school year, or it's Trunk or Treat, or it's Harvest Feast, or it's Angel Tree, or it's VBS. All of these reach into our community and invite them to come in and to say, hey, we love you. We just want you to know we exist. Um, uh, we want you to know that we're not scary. Um, we're a little nuts, but we're not scary. We're all a little crazy, right? We're all a little dysfunctional. Uh, but we want you to know that we care about you, that, that we love you. And so we look for ways to reach into our community. So we, we want to have a heart um, for our community and let people know that we love them and that we want to serve them. And, uh, and, and let me just give you this last core value because this is the one I kind of want to... Um, and, and we can have a ton of core values. We could have a million core values. But I believe these four core values 
are vital because they fit the passages that Jesus gives us to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, to love others, and to go into all the world. But this core value is so important to me. This is very close to my heart. And this fourth core value is spiritually healthy people. I believe the church can only exist on the health of its people. And, and if we are not spiritually healthy, if we're not spiritually healthy as individuals, it will infect the church. And so my heart as your pastor for the last 16 years is to create an environment in our church that causes health. Just as Mike, Pastor Mike said earlier, healthy marriages um, ultimately make a healthy church. Healthy individuals ultimately make a, a, a healthy church. And so what, 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 what do we need to do in our own lives to remain spiritually healthy in our life? And this core value is very close to my heart. I've been a Christian for 33 years, full-time pastor for 25. And one thing I've noticed over the years is that many Christians become spiritually sick. Now, what am I talking about here? Now, somebody say, well, it's because of sin. It's because of this. I'm going to talk about something that's not overt as maybe somebody just walking away from the Lord or falling into a habitual sin. These are things that can creep up on us as a church without us even noticing it and can, and can create spiritual unhealth and division within a church. And so what, what, what do we do to guard ourselves over this? Um, how can we become spiritually sick? Well, here's the reason that I believe we become spiritually sick. By focusing on wrong things and by feeding our spirit with things that can become toxic. So let, let, me, let me explain what I mean by this. What is concerning to me is that when Christian brothers and sisters fight over things that just don't matter. At the end of the day, they don't matter. Okay, so let me explain. And what ends up in many churches, and I've seen this, I've been a Christian long enough to see this, is what ends up at the end of the day, you end up with factions within the body of Christ disputing over things that just don't matter. And so as a church, we want to focus on the things that matter to Jesus. Not on the things that are going to divide us, but on the things that are going to unite us as the body of Christ. Let me give you a couple passages here. Paul writing to Timothy told him the exact same thing. He said, Timothy, listen, as you pastor the church, there's some squabbling going on and people are fighting over things that just don't matter. And so what he told him in 2 Timothy 2.14, he said, keep reminding God's people of these things. Keep reminding them. Why? Because we are creatures of habit, aren't we? And we can easily go back to things that just don't matter and the things that can infect our souls and cause us to become unhealthy in our lives. So what Paul is saying to Timothy, he says, keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God and against quarreling about words. It's of no, what's the word there? Value. And it only ruins those who listen. He goes on a little further in chapter two to verse 23. And Paul says, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish Ignorant arguments that only start fights. If you go on to the next verse, Paul says, stop fighting on Facebook. 
Oh, I'm sorry. That was my, that's a translation there that I threw in there. Okay. So what happened? How many, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Can I get an amen out there? Right? Okay. So I'm, I'll leave it there. Okay. So, so I would have to say that most arguments in the body of Christ that can infect and affect the body of Christ and poison the body of Christ boil down. It can be boiled down to this one thing, this one word, and I will call them preferences. Okay. So what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain to you the differences between preferences, doctrine, and creeds. And I got a little circle bullseye up here to help explain this for you. I've explained this before, but I want to make sure that we understand this as a church. And I believe if we understand this, this is going to keep our church healthy. This will keep you healthy. This will keep us going in the same direction. So let me explain how a church can become unhealthy. And I believe it boils down many times to our preferences. Let me give you some example of our preferences. Now look at this diagram there on the outer circle is preferences. And at the bullseye is creeds or dogma. And I'm going to explain that in just a minute. Let me give you an example of preferences. Preferences would be this. What version of the Bible you read? A preference would be what version. And some people are like, I only read this version. Some churches, that's all they focus on is one version of the Bible. And if you don't read that one version of the Bible, you're wrong. Actually, I drove by a church in the summer and on their marquee, on their sign, their church sign, it said King James preaching. I have no idea what that means. Besides that they preach thou, right? I don't know what that means. I'm assuming they're using the King James Bible, but that was on their marquee. So everybody knows that's what they do. King James preaching, King James only Bible. That's what we believe. Now, to me, that's a preference. So at our church, I may read from the NIV. I may read from the ESV, NLT, um, King James, New King James. We're, we're not going to hammer down one. It's a preference. So if you want to read King James, great for you. If you want to read NIV, great. Just, you know what? Please read the Bible. That's all I'm asking you. Just read it. Okay. I don't care what version you read. Just read the Bible. Okay. Um, that's a preference. Um, another preference may be style of worship or style of worship service or style of music that is sung. So for some of you, you've come from different backgrounds. Maybe for some of you, you come from no background and this is all, you know, maybe for some of you come from more traditional backgrounds where you just sang hymns. And so it's, it's, it's more formal or more liturgical. And you're, you're used to that. Some of you may come from, uh, more Baptist, Pentecostal, whatever it may be. You come from different backgrounds. And so you're used to a certain style of worship. And, 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 and that doesn't mean as one is better than the other. It just means it's a preference. It's a preference. It doesn't necessarily mean one better than the other. It just means that's the style that they chose to worship the Lord. And can I just say one thing? God likes all the different styles. Can God use all different kinds of styles of worship? As long as the message is not changed. How many know we can use all kinds of methods to worship God? Can I get an amen? Okay. So, so we choose one type of method to worship God here. Maybe the style of preaching. Maybe you're used to more of a low-key teacher 
style of preaching. Maybe someone came from the background, and unless the pastor hit you with his spit on row five, um, he wasn't preaching, right? Unless there was perspiration coming down, and he had a hanky, and he was wiping the sweat off his brows. He ain't preaching it. The Holy Spirit hasn't moved yet, right? So, so maybe it's a style of preaching. Maybe it's a style of dress. You know, you're used to, you know, everybody dressed up and wore suits, and maybe some of you came from more casual backgrounds. All of these are preferences. Let's all say it together. Preferences. Okay. So let's go to the next one. What is, what is doctrine or teaching? What's the difference between doctrine and teaching or creeds and dogma? Let me explain the difference between some of our teachings and, and then creeds and, and, and dogma. There are some things within the word of God that we are open-handed about. And there are some things in the word of God that we need to be closed-fisted or closed-handed about. And I would call these non-essential beliefs and essential beliefs or essential teachings. Now, what do I mean by this? What we would see as essential doctrine or essential teachings, we would call that dogmatic or creeds. Now, what do I mean by this? At Living Word, this is what we believe about Jesus Christ. Anything that takes away from someone knowing Christ and coming to a salvation experience we're going to be close-fisted about that. We don't want to mess with anything about Jesus Christ. So what do I mean by that? Well, we believe the Bible teaches that Jesus is God, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes into God except through him. We believe that he is the only begotten son of God. We believe that he was virgin born. We believe that he died for our sins on a cross, and three days later he conquered death through his resurrection. We believe he ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. We are closed-fisted about these teachings. We see this as central to our salvation. When you take away any one of these truths that I just mentioned, you take away from Jesus' divinity and thus would make Jesus less than God and we could not be saved from our sins. So we are dogmatic or these are our creeds, the Apostle Creed. We're not going to bend from these things. We're not going to argue about them. We are closed-fisted about these things. We believe in God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's not open for debate. We believe in heaven and hell, that man's only hope of redemption is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We are close-fisted about those. Those are our creeds and our dogmas. Those are the things that we focus on. Now, let me give you, uh, let me just explain what this doctrine or teaching is because many churches believe in in these um, essential beliefs. However, many churches may have different teachings on different things in the Bible. And so maybe some of you have come from different backgrounds and you say, well, pastor, you teach, you know, has taught it this way, but, but the church that I came from, um, they kind of taught it this way. So what is the, what's true and what's not true about these things? Because we believe in all those creeds and dogmas that you talk about. Our church believed in the same thing. But the church that I came from kind of taught this thing a little bit different from what you're teaching. Or I listen to a pastor on the radio and he teaches it this way, but you teach it this way. Who's right? I'm right. No, I'm just teasing. Okay, so, so that, that's what I would call doctrine or, or teaching. So let me give you an example of doctrines or teachings that we might teach that might be a little bit different from maybe somebody you hear on the radio or a, a church that you grew up in. For example, teaching about end times. 
how many know that there can be a lot of different ways people interpret the end times? Perfect example. <clears throat> There's many different views on when Jesus will return. Is he going to return before uh, the tribulation and rapture the church? Is he going to do it after the tribulation, seven-year tribulation? Many people believe in a post-tribulation. Many people believe in a pre-trib, um, uh, Jesus coming to rapture um, the church. Um, my bent on that is I am pre-trib. That, that, that's the way I teach it, and that's the way I believe it. You may have a, a different view of that or maybe taught a different way. You're wrong, but that's okay. You can believe that all you want, okay? Um, I'm teasing, okay? Um, but these aren't things that we have to be dogmatic about. They're, they're teachings in the Word of God, but people may look at it differently, okay? So that doesn't make or break your salvation in Jesus Christ, whether or not you believe Jesus is coming back, for the tri- back before the tribulation or after the tribulation. Does that make sense? These are things that people may believe and we can discuss and have talks about it, but that shouldn't make or break um, our salvation of the Lord. Another big one that I get asked a lot when people come to our church is eternal security. Can we lose our salvation? Or, or is this something that we can never lose? Or can someone get to the point of apostasy and actually lose their salvation? Some of you may have come from church backgrounds that say, no, you can never lose your salvation. And some of you may come from maybe a Wesleyan background or uh, more of an Arminian type of theology that says, um, yes, there can be a point to apostasy where you can lose it. Now, it depends how different people teach it or different interpretations on those things. But those have no bearing on your salvation in Jesus Christ and whether or not uh, who Christ is and what he's done for us. Another big one is, um, are we elected or predestined? Or do we have a free will when we come to faith in Christ? Does God elect some, but not others? Is, is, this, is this free will open to anyone who comes to Christ? Or is God only predestined a few? I'm going to lean over to the free will. That's just the way it is. Now, we can have different arguments. People say, well, I don't know, Pastor. I believe in the... But, but that's the way... I see the interpretation, but we don't have to be dogmatic about it because it has, once again, no bearing, no bearing on our um, salvation. Um, another big one is the teaching on the Holy Spirit. Are the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for today, or did, did they cease after the um, teachings and, 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 and through the apostles? Did they cease after that? Um, can we speak with other tongues, the gift of tongues? Is that for today or did that cease with the apostles that we see in the book of Acts? Well, at our church, we believe that they are for today, that God blesses the churches with these gifts to build up the body of Christ. You may have come from a church background that says, well, um, they taught it this way and they believe that it ceased. Well, there's no scripture that says that it has ceased. And so we believe and we teach that they are for uh, today and that every believer in Jesus Christ can experience these things and can have a wonderful relationship with Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through their lives. Now, what I would say about all these things that I just mentioned, they're all secondary doctrines that have no bearing on your salvation. We can still be brothers and sisters in the Lord and yet not see eye to eye on these teachings or doctrines. Now, listen to me closely. Here's where churches have become unbalanced and where division can happen between Christians and and Christians within churches. What happens is when we drag our preferences into our creed or dogma, or we drag our non-essential teachings into our dogma 
or creeds. When we drag these things into the bullseye, we can easily become unbalanced and cause division within the church. And so we've got to be careful as a church that at the end of the day, what is the message? At the end of the day, here's what I want you to see. And any church you look at, any church you visit, at the end of the day, this is what we need to be concerned with. Is the gospel being preached? Is that our target? Now, churches may do this differently, but what is the message that you're hearing from the pulpit? What is the message that you're hearing from that church? Are they preaching salvation? Are they taking communion? Do we see baptism? Is there discipleship going on? Now, we may do it differently. Our methods may be different in the way we do those things. But at the end of the day, what is the message? Our message has to be this bullseye. Our message has to be about Jesus Christ. Now, these secondary issues are important, and we're going to teach on them as a church, Holy Spirit or end times, and, and I'll teach on those things, and I'll give you what I believe is true about those things and what we believe is true about those things um, as, as the church, as living word. But at the end of the day, our goal, our focus has to be in the center of that bullseye, and it has to be about Jesus. It has to be about him. It has to be about salvation. It has to be about our discipleship. But when we begin to drag our preferences into the middle of that bullseye, we begin to, we begin to fracture and we begin to splinter over things that just don't matter at the end. So here's the thing. How do we stay healthy as a church? Here's what Paul says in Romans 14.1. Paul tells the Roman church not to pass judgment on disputable matters. Let's not pass judgment on each other on disputable matters. So how do we stay healthy? That's why we're taking communion today. Um, I believe the way we stay healthy as a church and not allow my life to get poisoned by these non-essential issues. Listen, listen to me carefully. Um, these things, these, these non-essential issues, if, if we are not careful, if we are not careful, these, these non-essential issues and our preferences can begin to divide us as a church. And what we end up doing is we end up coming to church and saying, well, I want it this way and I like it this way and I want it that way. Let me tell you as your pastor, we need to die to our preferences. We need to die to them. Now, how many know that, that in a church of five, 600 people, we got five, 600 opinions about how church should be run? Can I hear you? Right. How many of you have two people living in your house? And you've got two opinions about how your house should be, right? We have all different opinions about how we are to, 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 to move. But listen, as your pastor, I believe that we need to be moving in the same direction. And when we're doing that, what we do is we end up dying to our preferences for the betterment of the body of Christ. We've got to stay in that bullseye. That's where we got to stay. And so the question that at the end of the day, we have to ask ourselves, is the word of God being preached? Are people being baptized? Are we taking communion? Is there discipleship going on? At the end of the day, that's what has to be most important. All these other things, not that they're not important, not that we're not going to teach on them, but at the end of the day, that bullseye has to be the most important thing that goes on. It has to be. And all these other preferences that we do or don't do, we have to die to those things. The end of the day, what are we focused on? So, so let me just 
end it this way before we take communion because I just want to give you a couple of things on how we can stay healthy. And, and I believe when we take communion, this helps us to understand what Jesus Christ did for us. And, and I believe that communion recalibrates us to what's truly important in our life. Now, let me just read you a couple passages here found in Isaiah because what we're recognizing when we take communion, we're recognizing the body and the blood of Jesus Christ and, and the sacrifice that Jesus Christ um, did for us. Let me read you what Isaiah writes about what Jesus did for us on the cross. Isaiah 53, 5 says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds, we are healed. And if you go over to Isaiah 57, this is what it says about being crushed or understanding what it means to be broken before the Lord. Isaiah 57, 15 says this, for this is what the high and lofty one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Now what's interesting about this, the word crushed, is a Hebrew word that literally means to be broken into pieces. It means to pulverize. And what Isaiah is saying is, is that Jesus was pulverized for you and I. Jesus was literally crushed for you and I. He allowed himself, he humbled himself before God, before his father. He, he willingly went to the cross to be crushed for you and I, to humble himself. What's interesting about the word contrite in Isaiah 57, 15, it's the same Greek word. It's the same Greek. It's a variation of that same Greek word that literally means to be crushed. The one that God glorifies is the one that God crushes. And when we come to the Lord's table, what we're saying is this, Jesus, I recognized that you were crushed for me, that you were bruised for me, that, that, that you gave everything for me, that for, for my sins to be forgiven. But the thing I want you to notice about coming to the Lord's table, we cannot come to the Lord's table with a proud heart. There's no way. Because if we come to the table with a proud heart, God can't work through us. And we misunderstand what the Lord did for us 2,000 years ago upon the cross. See, what Isaiah is saying is God is close to the contrite in heart. God is close to those who have been crushed. Uh, Martin Luther says this, God created out of nothing. Therefore, until a man is nothing, God can make nothing out of him. See, when we are broken, we will walk in love. Pride cannot hide in brokenness. And so when we come to these disputable matters and our preferences, and maybe when I'm not getting my way, here's what I say. God, crush us. God, may I come to you with a contrite heart. God, break my spirit. I believe what's going to keep this church healthy and going in the right direction is being broken before the Lord. I believe that when we are broken before the Lord, our pride has to dissolve. Our preferences have to dissolve. The way I want things to be done has to be dissolved. And what we end up doing is we end up ministering to each other in a whole different way. We end up ministering to God in a whole different way because we realize 
that we were bought with a price, that we are not our own now, that we're here to serve. We're here to serve the Lord and to serve one another. That's what brings health into a church. Let's focus on Jesus. Let's focus on him. And believe me, there, this is not a perfect church. And I am not a perfect pastor. And I will make many mistakes and living word will make many mistakes. But I believe that if we focus our eyes on Jesus and we continue to focus on his word and continue to focus on our community and on the world and being biblically based and focus on spiritual health and focus on Jesus, I believe we'll be a church that will work through grace and show grace to one another and not allow ourselves to get caught up in disputable matters that will only hurt and fracture the body of Christ. So let's be broken this morning before God. And as we go to the table of the Lord, I just want, I want to pray for you today. And maybe there's something in your heart and life that you just need to give to the Lord today. And I would say before we take communion, allow God to do that in your heart. Maybe there's forgiveness that you need to, that needs to be offered. Maybe there's something that you're holding on in your heart and life. Some, something that's just, you know, just tweaking you and it's gotten underneath your skin and God's trying to deal with you about that issue. Just lay that at his his feet. Let let God just pulverize it. Let him pulverize it. That's what it means. Pulverized. Smithereens. (laughs) Crushed like powder. Let him just do it in your heart today. Because because the, 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 the other side of that is joy. The other side of it is joy. And that God comes close to you. That he's close to those who are literally crushed in spirit. So let God do that in your heart before you take communion. So I want to pray for you today. Let, let, let's prepare our hearts. I mean, let's really prepare our hearts today. So I want you to bow your hearts with me today and let's just pray and ask God just to help us today. Lord, as we just come before your table today, Lord, I just pray for our church. Thank you for living word. Lord, I know that he that began a good work is faithful to complete it. I thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of your people to to just want to see you glorified. And I pray, God, that you would continue to work through our hearts and our lives, that, that, God, we would focus on what we need to focus on, that, God, we wouldn't get sidetracked in disputable matters and and things that just don't matter at the end of the day, that, that God, we would show love even in the things that we, we disagree about, that, God, we would not show contempt, that we would not dissolve relationships. God, we would be broken before you that we would better minister to each other. So let us keep focused on the things that you care about, Jesus. Jesus, you were crushed for us. Even in that last supper, you said, as you took the bread, you said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Crushed, broken. Jesus willingly allowed himself to be crushed for us. And so Lord, I pray that you would crush us today. You would humble us before your mighty hand that whatever thing is in my heart or life that ought not be there, that God, you would dismantle that, that you would take that thing away. That Jesus, we would not allow anything, any pride that would um, hurt us or condemn us or keep us from 
reestablishing relationships, God, that you would take those things away and that we would be the first ones to say that we're sorry, that we would be the ones that would mend relationships, that we would be the ones that would walk in humility. God, crush us today before we take these elements today. Thank you for what they mean. I thank you, Lord, for this church, and I pray that you would just move in our hearts in 2016, that we would even be more effective in our community. We'd show greater love in our community. God, you would do a greater work amongst us. We give you the glory for that. We just thank you for all that you're doing and all that you will do. In Jesus' wonderful name, we ask these things. In Jesus' wonderful name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen.